0: Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 15 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder.
1: Uh, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a powerlifter, strength coach, do Highland Games. I run Strength Guild, USF, a bunch of other stuff. Um, joining us today, we have a... Uh a special listener i th- he told he was trying to tell me he's like a direct descendant of william wallace but i'm not sure that's <laughs> real. Um, but uh we got neil we're gonna get to him in a bit he's in town here where i'm at and uh, he's gonna do the biggest gainer competition on sunday um so we're gonna we got a bunch of uh, news and listener mail and stuff first but and then we'll get into that sweet
0: okay um strength and muscle sport news Maybe the news first, and then I'll go to the listener mail. I'm trying to do this electronically today, everybody. I usually print this off. I'm trying not to kill a tree this time, but first up, I received uh, an email from a former student, and I sent it to Phil immediately because I'm like, what is this? The National Council for Certified Personal Trainers has this um, powerlifting certification. It says, lift, squat, and bench like a pro. And if you go down, it says three lifts, loads of possibilities, and you pan down this sort of ad page. uh, And it says get certified, get hired. And that's what immediately started jumping out at me, right? Because one of the things I think listeners would be well to know is that any certification, there has to be a certain uh, breadth of it, there has to be a certain popularity for in order for employers to recognize it and even create that demand if that makes any sense so there's this balance between you got to get a lot of people certified uh, enough for employers to actually want to hire that particular certification otherwise you know they're gonna be left saying well, what the hell is that you know so i don't know phil you said you hadn't heard anything about this thing no
1: and i mean i'd
0: love to know certified by who you know who is who is
1: uh, you know who is there Oh, their instructors and whatnot? Their instructor, yeah. Who created this certification is what I would love to know. You know, if it was Ed Cohn or something, sure. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to look into it. I'm I'm guessing it's not because I would would guess if it was somebody big like that, they'd be front and center on the ad instead of this douchebag on the front. Um, (laughs) But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's $99 to get certified and learn how to improve your strength and power and you know master the three basic lifts for optimal strength but
0: right cuz it says become a certified powerlifting instructor and it's yes. like you know well that that's almost disrespectful to someone like yourself you okay. know what i mean where oh yeah and i don't know how, what how many sessions this is i mean I, they're trying to take advantage of what they say is a fast growing niche and this and that but yes. i mean it's definitely I, and again i'm not saying this is necessarily true this one but i always hate when something along the lines Whoa. of Become a teacher and an instructor in four hours on a Saturday when we both know that takes probably more like four years. You know, in and the trenches. That's my guess.
1: What it is? It's probably a little one day or maybe two day thing, and uh, it has an exam. But <laughs> well, I guess that's
0: good. Um, you know, I mean other than that, uh, a lot of these yeah. things they're just you know they're they're money driven. You know, let's let's create a revenue stream by creating a, a certificate. But like I said, I think uh, listeners would benefit and many of them know of course many of you guys know but a certificate can't be it may not be worth the paper it's printed on you mm-hmm. know i mean it's a it's a revenue generation kind of thing for the group that offers it many times and um the it, bad it, thing about it may not these... help you get that job i mean if they don't yeah. recognize if, if if it's new or it's irreputable what employer is going to recognize that so it's not going to help you get a job
1: no, but the problem is, I mean, some Joe Schmo personal trainer at the 24-Hour Fitness, you know, if somebody's looking for, you know, hey, I want to do powerlifting, and he walks in, and this guy's like, well, I'm NCCPT certified in powerlifting, they're not going to know the difference. You know, they don't know what they're looking for. Yeah, compared I'm sure to, that happens, too. Hey, I've taken 14 people to the worlds, and blah, 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 you know. Right. I, but I don't have that little piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so yeah uh that's the that's the bad thing about it but
0: it's true uh the if general you get get hold with no clue right if you get a hold of someone with no clue yeah, yeah so anyway so th- that was um interesting uh even the the guy who sent it to me is like, what yeah. i don't know august twenty fifth there's this I get this newsletter people might be interested in it's the institute of food technologists, so these are the guys that tinker with the food supply and they add fiber and they they track trends and, you know, different nutrients and snack products and all this stuff. And I just want to offer a few things uh, from this list. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of these in detail, but uh, because some of them, I think, fall into that sort of obvious science category that we sometimes laugh about. You know, I mean, I don't get me wrong. We need science to document things so we can move forward, even if we think we know them, you know, but but in this case, I've seen several studies come out this past week that were It's just like, really guys, you know, unless it's a validation paper and you didn't believe the earlier work for some reason, why are we doing this again? Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, the first one is, uh, not quite in that category. It's protein positioning helps meat snacks, maintain momentum. And I just thought this was interesting. Recent interest, uh, in protein content, uh, has been a real benefit to the meat snack industry. And they were talking about how there's a lot of growth, uh, in that. Interestingly, Asia dominated activity with more than 60% of new like, protein snack introductions, uh, mainly as a result of large numbers of traditional style meat snacks that are launched in China. It says North America, uh, primarily the U.S., took second place ahead of Europe, where despite large number of countries and, and cuisines involved, relatively underdeveloped status of the market meant that activity was limited. It says meat snacks are the fourth largest savory snack category in the U.S. after potato chips... Tortilla chips and nuts and trail mixes. So uh, we were talking about this a little bit before about how it seems like even Joe Schmo, you know, uh, from the Gen Pop has whey protein in his kitchen now and that sort of stuff. And uh, this is one of the things that's actually, it might be good for people in our subculture, I think, is Mm -hmm. there's actually protein in your snacks instead of just refined starches and sugars, you know. Uh, Yeah, but fourth up there after the... You know, chips and, and nuts and whatnot. Here are some of the ones that I consider obvious science, maybe. And I'm not reading through these in depth, so I'm sure there's more to it than this. But just at first glance, I'm being judgmental today. Trans fats may be linked to risk of death. Okay, mm-hmm. thanks for that. Uh, um, Automobiles may get you to work faster. Right. Right. <laughs> this one, Here's one. Um, prebiotics in your dairy may promote digestive health. Well, is that, isn't that what yogurt does? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I get that the whole microbiota thing and healthy gut bacteria is a big deal, you know, with physique and hunger pangs and all these different mood. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, prebiotics in your dairy may help, help your health. Okay, thanks for that one too. Um, here's another one, that I think on the semi-obvious list. Olive oil may lower your blood sugar and cholesterol compared to corn oil and other junk oils. Okay, well, thanks for that one. Right? I mean, I don't we know that? I don't know. Maybe I take for granted what people know, but I feel like we know
1: that, you know, that well at the it, very least science knows that numerous times over. So you
0: would it doesn't think, need to be restudied. You know? And of course it could be the dose they're giving, like they gave ten grams of extra virgin olive oil and they compared it to ten grams of corn oil. Um, it's true. I mean, I tell students in my classes a lot of times, you know, the, one of the healthiest things you can do is get the corn oil or the safflower oil or the, you know, sort of generic-looking vegetable oil out of your cupboards and get some olive oil in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but helping with, like, blood sugar and cholesterol and stuff, I don't know. That's Yeah, That's it just doesn't seem new to me. Here's one that I did want to touch on, though, that I thought was sort of interesting. Again, this is all from that IFT, Institute of Food Technologists newsletter. Meat versus beans is one more satisfying. So this is a study from the Journal of Food Science. I just think it's kind of interesting. They, they gave people uh, basically a beefy meal, you know, and people obviously perceive beef as a high-quality kind of protein food, and then they gave them a bean meal that had similar amounts of protein, a little bit less, uh, and also some fiber, uh, a lot more fiber. So let's see. The beef meal had 26 protein and 3 grams of fiber, and the bean meal had 17 protein, but 12 fiber. And so they're gonna say, hey, does the fiber help with satiety and help you feel full compared to the beef? Uh, Says, interestingly, researchers found that the subjects who ate the beef meal at their first visit, because they had the same people come in for two visits, um, and were expecting the bean meal at the second visit were less satiated than those who did not know which they would get. In other words, if they perceived beef, They felt full. They gave them snacks like a couple hours after this test meal. It says the researchers concluded a beef-based meal with high protein and a bean-based meal with moderate protein uh, but high fiber did produce similar satiety. Uh, They noted that further studies need to sort of confirm and be careful about the order of this. Again, because people who perceived they were going to get the beef actually seemed to have more sense of fullness in that sort of thing. I don't know. You know, it's almost like they had poor expectations of the beans. You know, as far as satiating that, making them feel good. So, anyway, so that's a bunch of uh, stuff from the food technologists and the uh, fitness world. I guess I have just one or two listener mail things I want to touch on. And thanks, Neil, for being patient here. no problem? Um, this guy says, big fan of Iron Radio. I've been working out for over a decade with serious intent. I'm 29 years old, no serious injuries or health issues. Uh, I'm happy to give you other information, but here's my question. What are some potential long-term issues from using pre-workouts and thermogenics? Now, I reached out to this guy and I actually said, you know, I've actually thought about that myself, right? People who go through repeat dieting phases and all that sort of stuff. I mean, what might be the downside? Here, he's gonna give us some context I've been using caffeine or some type of thermogenic or pre-workout before workouts uh, for much of a decade of working out. I think the doses are reasonable, and I try to get—I uh, don't try to get dependent or anything. But the various products I have, I have used include, but are not limited to, caffeine, ephedrine, uh, salbutamol, yohimbine, bitter orange, nicotine, and green tea extracts. I've used thermogenics for fat loss in the past. I would take one to three doses a day for a period of time, uh, but I mostly use stimulants as a pre-workout. At present, I use a rotation of, let's see, five days a week, various combinations of substance listed above, except for the bitter orange. I keep the caffeine around 200 milligrams, uh, but I know that green tea extract does have some caffeine also. Uh, I try to sleep well. My main concern is that I never Take much time off from working out So I never really take much time away from the pre-workout Stimulants I don't take any stimulants two days a week And it says other than caffeine dependence I don't think I've experienced any negative side effects At least to date Thank you for your time I always appreciate your insights And thank you Iron Radio Fred So Phil uh, or Neil What do you guys think about this sort of thing Uh, Is there a, a downside To thermogenics In the long term I think, like anything, I mean, I think abuse, yes,
1: you know, or overuse. But, I mean, like if you are going to pop ten or twelve ephedrine tablets over a long period of time, yeah, there is probably something not going to good going to happen. But, I mean, I am one of those weird people that can take, like, I don't get any side effects when I stop caffeine, and I love my coffee. But I also, Mm -hmm. I I don't do a ton. Like, I'll work, I'll take a, a monster or something two days a week, but I have coffee every day. But um Hey folks. Yeah.
0: John.
2: What's up? Yeah, I uh, just kinda chime in here. Um, you know, one of the things that I think about caffeine is I sometimes I have it um uh, for non training days, but if I have it for non training days it'll be, you know, maybe a few sips, maybe about a quarter of a cup. I don't think it's a very good idea to constantly just consume caffeine. Um, particularly, you know, on the on their non-training days, because it can continue to you know jack up your central nervous system, kind of impede your recovery a little bit. Um, so I, I don't think it's a good idea to constantly have increases in CNS activity, mainly because of the you know the recovery effect you know from training. But yeah. um, I I try not to have as much caffeine on the non-training days. But I mean, some some days it's just like you need something to kind of get you going. Um, that's one of the things, and I don't really consume a lot of monster drinks either, except if I'm driving super long distances and I need something to kind of, you know, give me a, a kind of a steady, long-term kind of boost. Um, I don't get the same stimulant effect from like monsters and five inter, five-hour energy, you know, that I do from caffeine. I mean, let's face it, I mean, all types of thermogenics have some type of caffeine, and I'm in them. I mean, so many different types of cold remedies have some type of caffeine in them. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh Neil, what about you? any thoughts um well, I mean, certainly
3: personally, I try to avoid too much caffeine i mean if he's taking two hundred milligrams that's that's just over what a large cup that's really not very much mm-hmm. um like if if it's a heavy training day i'll it's a double espresso with cream and sugar yeah. before training but yeah. other than that, it's you know like I heard like guys like John Bros and that speak about. If something is a crutch and it doesn't really matter what it is, whether it's a belt or a pre-workout or, you know, or whatever it is, it's, it's a bad thing.
0: Yeah. I, I like I
3: that. Don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a balancing game really. It doesn't sound like he's overdoing it
0: though. So. Right. I think mm-hmm. it, 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 right. I think the fact that he's trying, he's cognizant of not overdoing it is why he hasn't had any yeah. problems, frankly, you know, yeah. uh, my concern that I related to him would be two things. And it's sort of like what you said, uh, there uh john which is if you're constantly stimulating your adrenal glands you know you could end up with excess cortisol production or like a certain amount of insulin resistance right because when you take stimulants mm-hmm. you are carbohydrate resistant acutely for a certain period of yeah. time and so that wouldn't mix very well with a high carb diet i wouldn't think so a lot of it depends on your diet and other things you know but i would think having uh that in relative maybe not clinical but relative insulin resistance mm-hmm. and the uh, you know, the cortisol in the background, you're always in that fight or flight mode. And like you said, Neil, like the crutch thing, that's, Mm -hmm. everybody's got to make the decision there, right? Because if it becomes a crutch, you're almost certainly going to start jacking your stress hormones like that. And how do you recover when you're always in that fight or flight kind of situation, you know? So, but if he's, if he's sleeping well, you know, and he's getting out of his Mm -hmm. system, uh, like I can tell you, there's a lot of quote unquote, natural bodybuilders in the, uh, greater Akron area here in Northeast Ohio. And, they use a lot of uh, ephedrine hydrochloride. They'll go buy primatine tablets at the grocery store and that sort of stuff. And they'll take them three times a day for appetite suppression or uh, – that would kill me. My, I, I, my blood pressure would be ridiculous. My heart would beat out of my chest. You know, I don't know how they do it three times a day. Um, so I, th- I think that limiting it to the pre-workout period – I mean, unless you're really serious about um, a dieting phase and you feel like you need to do that like at breakfast and lunch or something. I mean, a lot of people do that, mm-hmm. but – yeah, I, I like that um, that rule about what it's not a crutch. Lee Haney used to say that stimulants were uh, borrowed energy, you know, whereas real energy comes from a meal and sleep, you know. So
3: yeah,
0: oh well, yeah, and then I mean, my argument back at that
1: is, okay, walk in my shoes, get your ass up at 3:30 a.m. and stay at the gym until <laughs> 8 p.m. at night, you know. <laughs> yeah, with nothing, and, and do it with nothing, right? So I mean, and you know, I'm I'm always on that side of okay, so maybe I'll live to 88 instead of 80. You now 92 but those 88 years i'm gonna kick ass yeah <laughs> you know so my, <laughs> right, yeah. my two cups of coffee in the morning man if that's what does me
0: in so be it you know, uh, I'm, you
1: die something. You know exactly
0: right so yeah, yeah you know well and you know what i mean i was actually talking to my wife about this last week but uh, i could either get up i could have a like, what I'll do is I'll take a, just a half a caffeine tablet so I can get myself vertical and even to the coffee pot. Like, I'll take half a caffeine tablet. I'll hit snooze on the alarm clock, right? And then when it goes off, like, 10 minutes later, I, I actually have a chance of getting upped because we've been getting really <laughs> yeah. early, like, you know, mm-hmm. like 4.30 in the morning. And then oh, I, nurse, I nurse a coffee for a little while, and then we just go do some, like, fasted, you know, outdoor, like, brisk walking and stuff. And then I go to the gym. I try to squeeze it all in before work. And like you said, yeah. Phil, those, that would not happen without the caffeine it simply especially i mean i don't want to say oh i'm you know my age but especially i think when you're middle age i mean um Mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't know how that happens so i could either sleep in i could say oh it's healthy to sleep in that extra hour in the morning but that's certainly not going to equal getting up and exercising so like you're saying it's 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 got to be that yeah it's
2: funny yeah it's funny how like when you're young or even like as you get older, it, it's funny how you rely like psychologically or mentally, just a more certain things than you did when you were younger, like caffeine. I mean, caffeine pills for me almost don't really do anything. I need the liquid. I need the real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, you know, so, um, I mean, I've taken caffeine pills, but it's like, I got to take like three or four of them, you know, and it's just, the liquid does much better for me. The actual coffee, you know, the strength of coffee does a lot better for me, and it it just goes back to what we've talked about several times before on the show is that so many people respond in different ways to the same type of thing, especially of stimulants. Thing. Respond differently to, to certain types of training, but um, I mean, so it, it's just it's just weird how that is. So. Four tablets, I, I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> four
3: tablets in one sitting. I'd catch fire. Like second. we
2: talked about earlier,
1: uh, Neil. I mean, everything here in America, we do it bigger and better. So that's, <laughs> if you guys take two, we take four. Yes, that's, that's how we right. roll. That's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you got to get back to the ritualistic aspect of it, too. I mean, yes. I know that if I swing by and I pick up an energy drink and I'm heading and I'm drinking that, okay, it's time to do some work. Yes. You know, right. and that's a cue. even if it's not doing anything. You know, it's just part of the habit. That's right.
0: Um, And I know it's go time. Well, I will say this. I mean, and I've talked about this with John a few times before and other people. But one of the interesting things is coffee in the long haul actually helps your your carbohydrate metabolism. It actually helps with insulin sensitivity and glucose tolerance and whatnot, whereas acutely stuff like caffeine pills harms it. Mm-hmm. So, now don't get me wrong, when you're in the midst of that being super wired, yeah, you're probably a little insulin resistant or whatever, but carbohydrate intolerant. But mm-hmm. interestingly, coffee, because of the other things in there, you know, the chlorogenic acids and all that other stuff, it's probably not so bad on your carbohydrate metabolism. I just think it's very ironic that people who overdo stimulants for a very long time to get lean, it could have a, sort of the opposite effect because you oh, can't yeah. you can't recover. Yeah. You know, you got your cortisol jacked up and maybe you're adding a little bit of fat to your trunk and midsection uh, and it kind of yeah, blows up like in your like, face. Yeah,
2: you, you kind of get some, yeah, you kind of like start resulting in increases of you know like metabolic damage and it takes you like a long time to kind of reverse that process.
0: Right on, oh. yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is that we have to get past this There's a big difference in between having a little bit of coffee and like living for months, twelve to eighteen hours a day on like, uh,
0: ephedrine and Pots. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, they're they're different,
1: (laughs)
3: right? You know,
0: yeah. And so, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Going to the coffee pot. I even see people at the university. You know, they're they're back at the well like eight times a day, and it's like you guys aren't even. You're not even exercising. For me, if I exercise after I'm wired everything's good because at the end I'm exhausted I kind of burned through it somehow that doesn't sound very scientific but yes. you know what I mean and and if I hadn't worked out I'd probably be anxious and cranky later you know or crashed and fatigued and it, it's not the same thing when you put the workout in there I don't okay. know okay now I only have one other one but I think I'm going to um, postpone this to next week it's actually an interesting piece but it'll be a good discussion so let's um, let's save that and let's hear from Neil
1: yeah, let's take a short break, and we'll just let him get to questions, I think. Perfect.
0: Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show uh, if you simply Google CRC Press in protein, uh, there's a new development on the right side of the page. You can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for 69 US dollars. So that's 31 percent off the 99.95 uh, cover price. So. That's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people. And you can even rent it. Uh, Lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals. So you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob... I just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, we'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, It's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So –
1: All right, everybody. We are back from break, and uh, like we said before, the uh, at the beginning of the show, we've got Neil Kushni on. He's joining us via well, via the Ramada Inn downtown Topeka <laughs> via Scotland. So he he's here for. He was one of our contestants in the biggest gainer that uh, Jarrell and myself are are putting on. So we had we had to pick two people, but we took applications, and each of us had to pick two people. And the the guidelines were, um, they have to do a super total meet, which is a full Olympic lifting meet followed by a full powerlifting meet in one shot, and we had to train them for this um, with zero on-site coaching, so it all had to be via the internet. Um, so Neil's in town for that. Which will be taking place tomorrow, and he's also joining us here with some listener questions because we haven't done one of those episodes in a while. So Neil, yeah. cool. Uh, anything right. I missed? Do you want to tell us about yourself before we get into these questions? Um, no, that's a really good.
3: That's that's good enough. Um, <laughs> just I just remember joking with you a while back because I know we'd spoken about you know coming me coming to visit Strength Guild anyway, okay. but that's four thousand four hundred eighty miles. <laughs> it was quite a trip. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, no, it's 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 such a privilege to to come to be here and also to get to be on the on the podcast because like I've been listening to you guys since like 2012. So yeah, this is this is really a this is really something. So thank you.
1: Yeah, he's getting the full American experience too. So I let him borrow my Harley. <laughs> so he's riding around town on it. Oh yeah, you know, nice. Yeah, we're gonna go shoot firearms and, and things like that. So that you can't do over in the UK. So
3: oh <laughs> right, yeah, I'm, I'm, I haven't told Phil yet, but I'm not actually going home. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh,
1: nice so what do you got for us man fire away and we will do our best
3: well it's it's like training for the biggest gainer has taken five months so far mm-hmm. um i've learned a lot about motivation or lack of in that time and i just i, I wanted to ask everybody about you know there's a, there seems to be a big difference between internal and external motivation with athletes mm-hmm. and i wondered how how you guys you know what's the balance that you find works for you cuz I, I i'll give you an example like um a little while ago george Lehman, uh was he was interviewed on youtube after he pulled his his 909 deadlift
1: mm-hmm.
3: he spoke about how like almost everything for him is internal he does it on the memory of his of his younger brother who passed away when he was much younger and he he focuses the the pain and and everything on the bar and that's how he manages to pull these these massive weights now i'm i'm much i'm much obviously much calmer than he is but uh, like i l- i love a good motivational video or motivational music or or something like that and i i just wondered how you know how the balance that you guys managed to strike with that. I mean, do you find that works for you or,
1: Hmm. I mean, my drive in anything I do, I have found, um, hell for my life. It, I'd say it's like 97% internal. If it's not for me and I'm not doing it for myself, it, I don't do it. And I've tried, you know, and I found that with clients too. If they don't really want it themselves, like if, for instance, let's take weight loss, for example. Well, my husband really wants me to lose weight. Yeah, you just lost. <laughs> you know, it, it just doesn't work for most people. Yeah,
2: they're doing it. They're, doing it, they're until... doing it for every reason except for themselves. Yes,
1: and it's not until they actually want it themselves that it happens. So, I mean, that's. I mean, that for me, that that's it. But I mean, I'm with you there. I mean, I get there's songs that I like playing. There's music I like playing, and uh, and sure that gets me pumped up. But usually, it's it's songs that have a very they have a, a history with me right like everything i roll, roll back to is like this weird mid-80s metal that you know it it got me up and jacked up when i was a teen and it still does now and it's it's those memories i guess that that i pull from so i guess that is internal you know it, it's yeah. you know I, I feed from the past on that but so that's my take
0: yeah i guess i could say that i'm uh I'll expose myself to external stimuli on purpose, you know. Like if there's, if it's something that's less exciting to me, like that morning cardio I was talking about, you know, I'll create maybe the caffeine's a little bit of chemical motivation there. I don't know the, yeah. you know, the music. Like the, this past week, I was listening to uh, stuff that's like Arnold's <laughs> Six Lessons on Life, you know, on success uh, on yeah, YouTube. That's awesome. <laughs> or, yeah, they're great. You know, they're just little tidbits, and yeah. they seem silly when you're when you're just listening to them. But you know, when you when you need it, it's it's helpful, and so I, I, it's self-driven. You go actively grab these things that you know, like Phil said, you have a history with, or you know, like uh, I was watching some of uh, some of these uh, bodybuilding documentaries and stuff on my phone. I'm like l- even listening to them while I train, you know, uh, in the background, like Pumping Iron and stuff or uh, The Comeback, and so I'll purposely expose myself uh, to that mm-hmm. stuff. And I think habit is a big part too of internal drive. Like if something mm-hmm. becomes a habit, it becomes like hygiene. And, you know, you could call it discipline if you want, but maybe that's not the right word because discipline is doing something when it's not convenient Mm. or you might not want to. And we're talking about sometimes wanting to, you know, but I think habit really plays a big role uh, in a lot of that stuff, too. And let's face it. I think by the time you've done this for more than like consistently for more than a a few years, you run the serious risk of becoming a lifer. And then Mm. it's just what you do. I don't know. It becomes part of your identity, you know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: I guess getting back to the training
1: side, though, this is something that I've touched about with a with a client of mine, and he's also my boxing coach right now. You know, there is a, like me going through this rehab right now, sometimes it's hard to go in there and do, like, okay, you're going to do, like, <laughs> you're going to get on the bad girl, good girl machine, and, and do a bunch of adduction, abduction, and that's it's just boring as hell. But when somebody else, and if I was left to my own, if I was left to myself to, to plan this, I would... I would probably do something that I shouldn't be doing or I wouldn't do anything at all. And so having somebody write out, it's like, okay, here's what you have to do. And when it's on paper in front of me, I guess that's that kind of external motivation. It's like, well, he told me to get it done, so I'll just do it. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So th- that does help as far as the training side goes. And, I mean, I, I'm a firm believer in like every – even coaches need a coach type of thing.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, all right. yeah. And
1: sometimes it is easier that, well, he's expecting me to get this shit done. I don't want to do it. It's one of those days, but I'm going to get it done because it says, you know, Wednesday at this time I need to do this. So um, yeah. I think that helps for those, you know, when you're in a, l- a lull. I mean, even lifers have down periods, you know, sure. where they're not just totally driven to going and kick ass. So, what what do you got for us next?
3: Um, like having been to to strength guild mm-hmm. and and seen the way that you interact with your clients and like the. I want I want to know where you guys see the fitness industry going. I mean, and I don't mean the fitness industry as a whole. I mean, like, you, the serious side of things. Like, the, the way that the, the Strength Guild approaches um, treating it. Like, we were speaking about it yesterday, about the sense of community in that gym is is very strong. Mm-hmm. It's very strong. So, like, do you think that that's where the future of things like, uh, you know, for serious athletes will congregate you know, like a build. It, if you build it, they will come, sort of thing. I because hope so. <laughs> in, in, like, at home, at home, there's there's really not an awful lot like Strength Guild. There, re- there really mm-hmm. isn't. In 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 Aberdeen, where I'm from, for instance, there's there's a couple of very well equipped gyms that are attached to two of the universities in Aberdeen, mm-hmm. but they don't have the atmosphere of of a family gym like Strength Guild. It really just doesn't exist. There's there is a CrossFit gym, but it is it is excruciatingly expensive, mm-hmm. and you're not, and if you if if you join, you're only allowed to train at their times. You're not allowed to go in, and yeah. you know and do your own thing. Just isn't it? Just isn't done. So, you know, do you do you see that's where things are going?
1: No, I mean, I if I I, I would love to say yes, um, but I think it, it's always going to be a niche. What I do is always going to be a niche. And I'm going to okay. get the people that want to be there. Um, and I think, I mean, people correct me if I'm wrong, but I think like this whole CrossFit thing, it's, it's, it's reaching its peak, I think. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere. I mean, the games are as big as they've ever been, but I don't see it like exponentially growing much more. And once you start seeing like 24-hour fitness and Ballys start to latch onto something like that, you know it's reaching its peak. Um, as far as these box gyms and stuff go because now it's going to be, you're going to see huge like CrossFit type facilities within a larger commercial gym and then it's going to become mainstream and then it's going to be not so niche. I mean, but I think places like mine will always exist, but I mean, it's going to be the people that seek it out. I'll never have and I don't want 500 people. Um, I'm going to have like, and I'm seeing it already, I'm going to see generations of families come in like little Jimmy came there for 10 years and now Tommy's coming in type of thing so and yeah it's going to be always athletes and it's, it's all in the way that you know that is my advertisement my advertisement unlike most commercial gyms you know the commercial gym wants you to come in and sign a contract and then they got you locked in mine I do no advertisement my advertisement is results and they mm-hmm. speak for themselves which brings another person in which once they go to school you know off to college then they tell the sophomore that
2: trained with them, you need to go here. That's what got me to the next, next level. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny you say that. Cause it's like a lot of, a lot of box gyms, they just, they, they work on memberships. They, they work on, you know, um, people, uh, you know, kind of sucking money out of their accounts on a monthly mm-hmm. basis. And it's, it's almost as like they're they're. I'm not going to say everything or on the, or, um, um, on the whole, but for the majority, it's almost anything and everything but results. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as opposed to like the semi-private training model, you know, you look at places like, um, um, you know, Results Fitness in Santa Clara, California, you know, Alan Cosgrove's place. I mean, they have the highest growth seen. you know, semi-private training gym in the country. They have 350 clients plus clients. They gross over a million dollars a year. Um, you know, most of the semi-private training models actually um, – I don't want to say make more money, but they certainly get a lot more results than the big box gyms. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, you know, combined in, in a lot of places, you know, you know, per region. So, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of agree with Phil. I mean, I think I don't see CrossFit growing significantly more, like exponentially growing, because you know, one of, one of the gyms that I trained at in in Albuquerque, um, it was a strongman powerlifting gym, and then over the course of the last you know year and a half or you know a few years. They've congregated more, and you know, to the CrossFit you know realm, and but and I'm and I'm just using them as an example. But people have to kind of understand and keep in mind, you can't, you know, powerlifting and strongman is such a small percentage of the community and the population. You can't sustain a good business right. and have a good business model right. on on just that. You have to appeal to the masses because that's where the revenue comes. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, so that and, and you know, and, and and I'm not a most people know I'm not a big CrossFit fan. But one of the things that I think it has done is that it, it has created a sense of camaraderie with people um that would go that now go to the gym or do, you know, group training, you know, we can just use that term. That it's created a sense of camaraderie with people that would otherwise not go to the gym mm-hmm. and not do anything. You know, so that's probably one of the biggest positive things that it's done. Um, it's, it's just to get people more active and to get them in a group setting, in, in a group environment, and, and, and a, to them, you know, a good, you know, training environment. So yeah. um, I try to, you know, everyone likes to. It's like you have haters and non-haters, mm-hmm. and it's just everyone, you know, the, all training methods, you know, work. It's just which one do you like the most that fit your goals?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, and I mean, what I rely on too is the I, I love CrossFit. I know CrossFit owners, and I train people in CrossFit. One things I rely one of the things I rely on is um, many of my clients are the educated trainer. You know what it is is they've gone to gone to a CrossFit and they've they've done it for a year or two, or they've gone to a commercial gym and done some personal training for a year or two, or group training and body pump, whatever it is, and they realize after an amount of time, you know, for some it's a short amount of time, for others it's years, that. You're only going to get so far when everybody does the same exact thing.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: and then they walk in my place and they're like, "Why are you know everybody in here is doing something different?" And it's like, "Yeah, because they're different people
3: and they yeah. have different goals."
1: And you know, you know, mine is it's if you look at my place, it's it's built much like a a CrossFit style gym, but instead of okay, everybody needs to be here at five thirty, you're done at six thirty because the next crowd comes in. It's okay. I get here at three thirty. You need to be here and get your stuff done in between three thirty and seven thirty. You know,
0: if you roll in at five forty-five, okay, right. fine. Let's get rolling. Not as structured that way. Yeah, exactly. That's how I grew up. I, I went to I I call them eighties gyms. You know, because uh, I grew up in these gyms just like they're a lot like the same paradigm that you use, Phil. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it's that old school idea, but um, we actually had a guy on the show. Um, Oh, gosh, years ago, Brian Moss, he was a big photographer back in sort of the golden mm-hmm. uh, years, you know, bodybuilding was so popular. And he was saying that, you know, the Ma and Pa type gym is dead. Yeah. And from a monetary perspective, yeah, that's not where the money is. You yep. know, uh, I, I, I don't think most people realize the big box kind of chain gyms. Um or even something attached to a university or something like that, uh, it's not. It's the sense of community that's not always there, right? So you're, you're sort of buying into this club-like environment with the 80s gym, you know, with the Ma and Pa gym, or like you said, Phil, where everything's not a group session or mm-hmm. whatever. You're just there to spot each other. You know, everybody's kind of – they're working on similar things, of course, you know, because yes. there's some crossover. But I, I don't think most people realize, and this wouldn't be true with a university, but I think these – these big chain gyms like planet fatness and this and that and so many of these they their business model i don't think the average person smells it right the business Mm -hmm. model is one time origination fee of like two or three hundred dollars while you're motivated then piss off you know they they don't even care if you leave there's going to be more turnover whereas clubs like yours phil there's you know, the senior people help the junior people, and that's actually mm-hmm. CrossFit-like in that way, I think. Yes. But you get this hierarchy and this team. It's it's also a lot like a, a lot of martial arts gyms, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, whereas you don't have any of that sense of hierarchy or community uh, in these other places. They just want your uh, your big one-time origination fee while you're motivated. They don't care to keep you motivated. uh w- and then they, like John said, they sneak the money out of your account, yeah. you know, with the auto debit thing. So it's a well, completely, yeah, it's a I business mean, focused model instead of a person focused model.
2: Exactly, and I mean that's that's one of the. I was trying to get to that point, and feel kind of, you know, mentioned on it, but you know, Phil, like your gym, it's not just one thing, you yes. know. And the drain, the drain that I trained at, at Albuquerque, even though. It was originally set out to be powerlifting and strongman, and it still is. Now they have CrossFit people in there, but they have mm-hmm. CrossFit people in there that people that like Olympic lifting. They mm-hmm. have people that do strongman, and they have people that do powerlifting. So it's it's a mix of everybody, yes. as opposed to just one thing or the other. And i I would much prefer to have that than just one thing. Yes, you know, uh, because it's like you, you, you kind of feed off each other, you know. Yep. And it's like it doesn't matter, like. I can be doing stones, some of us can be doing crossfit and it's just we all just like support each other. You know, and, and that's the type of environment that that I think is is really akin to to, to getting results and, and No, I agree. And
1: I think that's what's setting these setting you're going to see set clubs apart. And yeah. that's what you're going to see these crossfits that shut down, the ones that are that are that adopt that style. And I think that's what sets me apart is I've had the comment three times in the last 2 weeks about it. They're it's like this controlled chaos. I've had people come up. It's like, how the hell do you do it? <laughs> how, how do you do it? You got seventeen people doing twenty three different things, and you know what they're all doing. And it's like, well, you know, that's because I got more than a weekend certification behind me. You know, it takes it takes years of of doing this to to know. Okay, I've got I've got Miles over here training for the Special Olympics, and Jill just walked in, and I know what she's doing. So I got to tell Miles real quick, and then go tell her, and then I need to pop over here behind me. And you really learn to have eyes in the back of your head, and it just takes it takes a long time to get that to to be able to micromanage multiple people doing multiple
0: different things at one time well and you have a um, personal connection to them that you, the big box gyms don't have to l- their oh, members you know like yeah. you know his goals his abilities his limitations you actually know the people you know what oh, i mean yeah. and that and, lets I mean, you coach also
1: i mean it's like if if jim doesn't show up okay something was busy if jim doesn't show up twice he's getting a call hey man what's wrong something going on didn't see you you know right, and right <laughs> i would love to see a uh, you know uh a large commercial gym do that? No, they're like, Ooh. "Good thing Jim didn't show up." That's His right. Teams
0: are full. That's you know? right. I'm glad he's not here. As long do, as we auto debit. The
3: idea that, you know, the the, uh, the you know, like the, the large commercial gyms, the idea that their business model is based on you not turning up. Yes, it's, it's depressing.
1: Yes. Let's do another one. Um, Scotch or whiskey.
3: oh actually i do have a very good question for for the biggest gainer you deliberately put the clean and press back in yeah yeah i just wondered why why yeah
1: i don't think it should ever been taken out If, if you look i mean now in olympic weightlifting in my opinion there is no pure strength movement to it yeah. Um, it became very technical and very explosive. Whereas before they hit, when they had the press in, it had that pure strength movement. Now you're seeing a lot of people. I've seen it time and time again with my athletes. We go in. You know, we had a guy at one of the meets. He clean and jerked like 397, and come to the press, he like could not press 200. <laughs> and it was like, oh well, that sets you apart, you know. And so you know, he he got very good at being explosive and very technical. But that that's that pure strength component is missing, and and I think any strength sport should have a pure strength component. It's um, funny you
2: say that. It's funny you say that, Phil, because I, I have another colleague of mine who's um, is an Olympic lifting, and you know I've seen him, uh, you know jerk, you know three fifty, three sixty, and it's funny you say that because the people that do more like jerking versus say more strict pressing or say more push pressing, mm-hmm. it's almost that. It's almost you. You lose, you lose strength mm-hmm. from just jerking. Versus if you focus more on, say, a combination of strict pressing, extra tricep work, and then some mm-hmm. push pressing, it'll actually make your jerk go up. Yes. Um, and it, it's weird how that is, and most people don't really think of it that way. And I mean, it's like I do more a combination of strict and push pressing, and, and I don't jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weird because if I started jerking more, I guarantee you that my, that, that I'll be like in the mid 300s, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to like the lower 300s. But it, it's funny how that if it's, it's weird how that works, isn't it? <laughs>
1: uh, uh, That's why. I mean, I, I love strength and it's yeah. the overhead press. The strict overhead press is an awesome display of strength. Oh, it's, it's a <sighs> it's one of those lifts that separates the men from the boys it really does i mean because you see yeah, a lot I mean, of you see a lot of very strong people that their their overhead press is crap you know yeah i think
2: i think two fifty overhead press is far more impressive than like a three twenty five bench
1: mm-hmm. you
3: know? far so more do, impressive. You, do you phil phil do you do you subscribe to the same sort of thing as what uh what Dan john used to say about um you know like uh you should be able to overhead press your body weight for reps like the the list of people that I know that can do that, and I, you know, know a few really strong guys. That's it's a very 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 small list. Yes, it's a very yes, small it list. Is.
2: And I'm I'm on that list. I mean, I can overhead press my body weight for reps. I've done it several times. Yeah.
3: And um, it's,
1: okay. I think that's very yeah. impressive. Yeah. yeah, And if and if a female can do it, that's even more impressive.
2: Oh so, yeah, by far. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think I think it, that's a noble goal for any man is pressing their body overhead. I mean, it's a great feeling, and it's a great display of strength. I mean, yeah, I don't think enough people, and I, I, I guarantee you not enough athletes are, are pressing overhead. When I talk athletes, I'm talking like, I don't know, sports, like baseball, football, you know, things Athletics. like that. Yeah. I think yeah. way too many are, are benching, and not enough are pressing overhead, and I think it mm-hmm. translates more to real-world strength.
2: A lot of powerlifters are guilty of not doing. I mean, they don't need to do o- OHPs as a primary movement, but even just assistant supplemental lifts, I see a lot of them. They don't do it either, yeah. um, and they would benefit tremendously, you know, from it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm totally on board with you there. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, even myself, yeah. uh, just from a bodybuilding perspective, I would gravitate toward just middle of the floor. Now, it was just under my body weight, I guess, because you know, let's say I'm. Like two ten, I'd mm-hmm. i put one eighty five, and I'd just stand there in the middle of the floor, you know, boom, 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 and just try to do a couple of reps like that. Mm-hmm. And so many times you see guys doing that, though they're seated, you know, they're doing mm-hmm. seated military presses, and they're, I, there's something less primordial about that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you were saying, Phil. I mean, it's I, I'm surprised it was almost taken out because just like a deadlift is, let's pick something up off the floor. Well, yeah. this is push something over your head. What could be more basic yes. strength, even to a lay person? Like, look at that. You know, and I I just I think it was taken out for poor reasons.
1: It was taken out because it became hard to judge. And that's because they didn't want to set a standard. Everybody. It began to be this weird leaning back, almost standing bench. And it's like, well, just define the rules better and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if in ours, it's hips, knees have to remain locked. You know, the minute you kick back, because if you kick back too far, of course, your knees are going to lock. So. I mean, you're able to kick back as as far as you can as long as your hips and knees stay locked out. You're you're mm-hmm. good. So it's not that hard to judge. I mean, yeah. let's do one more. One more. Um.
3: Well, I just uh, I wondered if well we like we were speaking. I was going to say on the end of the overhead press thing. Yeah. We were speaking about uh, king of lifts. Uh-huh. Like you were speaking about. Uh, if, funnily enough, you said deadlift and overhead press
1: mm-hmm.
3: because. You won't be walking down the street, and something'll land in your back, and you have to go all the way down and then stand all the way back up again. Yeah. So the you you prefer the deadlift as the king of lifts. Um, yeah. Just I wonder, just wondered if you'd talk a bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just like you just said. I mean, it's it's a very the hip, the pure hip hinge is a very primordial move. Um, yeah. You know, I've said it time and time again in a in a seminar. I've never been walking down the street. And had something fall on me and then be like, oh, I wonder if I can sit down and stand up. But numerous times in your daily life, there's something on the ground that you have to bend over and pick up. Um, And I think pure hip hinge has been lost. I mean, it was lost in, you know, the whole ACE trainer certifications and things like that, where it's like the way they teach things, like the squat is this stay perfectly upright. Don't bend at the hip. Crack your knees. And it's like, well, how am I going to get something off the ground? You know, (laughs) I can never get there. Um, so, and I, I mean, I think it just, it also, the pure hip hinge in a, in a deadlift is, is a mass builder of, of, of big muscles like hamstrings and glutes and mm-hmm. in sport, in every sport, I mean, hips, glutes, hamstrings are it. That's where everything's at. All right, I
0: mean, Phil, I, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you on this. Go ahead. <laughs> I think squats Dude, what you just said, I, I don't think there's any other movement. And maybe this is because it's what we liked maybe mm-hmm. because of our body shapes and whatnot. You know what I mean? Uh, but to me, no other lift puts that much weight up around head height and mm-hmm. you have to dominate all that weight with your entire body. And I, I, and it's funny because you're, you seem to like deadlifts for the same reason I always liked – Oh yeah, deep squats, huge ass, hamstrings, adductors. It's almost, it's more posterior than it was anterior. You know, I was never one of those guys that just uh, do like you were said the strict, you know, um, mm-hmm. knees more narrow narrow stance, quad dominant, you know, type of uh, high bar squats, <laughs> and you know. So I, I guess squat. There's different animals there, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. Yeah, but, but I mean, then I go
1: back to the argument. Show me somebody with a big upper back, and I'll show you somebody that knows how to how to deadlift, not necessarily exactly, a squat. Exactly. You know, exactly. Um, yeah. you know, the squat does nothing to tax your upper back and mid back. Not no, near exactly. as much as the deadlift. No. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't so, get.
2: I don't. I don't think. I don't think people get really. I mean, I know this is kind of an open up a Pandora's box, but I don't think people get really humongous backs just from deadlifting. No. Uh, Yeah, okay.
0: Okay. Well, that's been my experience too, but again, that may be the way I'm built. I never actually included a lot of deads. I I was Mm – the squat was the only movement as somebody who was interested in primarily hypertrophy – that I kept track of, really kept track of the pounds, the poundages, you know, my performance, you know, because stuff like flies and curls, you know, you just <sighs> use the right amount of weight, you know, I mean, enough to tax you. But something like the squat, I would keep track of those numbers, and they became sort of important to me. It's just, you know what, and let's face it, there's no right answer. Squat or dead as king of oh, lifts. Yeah. There's no right answer. To no, that there point. is no. <laughs> no right. That's the yeah. thing is, I mean, you're you're putting yourself
1: in some kind of weird vacuum where it's like, if you were on an island, you'd have to pick one thing. Well, I don't. I'm not on a freaking island. <laughs> right. I don't have to pick yeah. one thing. You know? And that's the thing. I, I would never tell somebody to not squat. You know, but if I had to, you know, I, I'd pick the deadlift. I mean, I just, I, I would. Um,
2: yeah, deadlift and log press.
1: You know, maybe we deadlift and sprint and press. You know, right. And there's no doubt so, you'd make ridiculous gains just doing yeah. that. You know. So of course you wouldn't have the you know, your 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 quad development would be lacking for sure. So. The other
3: thing you, is you would have to get someone to, you know, if they wanted the big development is they'd have to stick to a program for a year or so, and most people don't want to do that.
1: No, and I mean, I'm, my this will be my last argument for the deadlift versus the squat is, you know, there's something about a squat when I, let's say you take somebody and they unrack a bar with 405 for the first time and they're getting ready to go down with this. Well, you have this natural instinct to not get killed. You're going to try <laughs> with all you got to stand back up because that bar potentially will crush you and kill you. Um, whereas with a deadlift, I mean, you have to want it because it's so easy to give up. There's there's no uh, there is there's no, no way to
2: cheat. You're not you know, there's no, there's way, to no way to
1: cheat it. There's no like all you it's so easy to quit. All I got to yeah. do is let go. It's hard just let go. Whereas, you know, If you let go on a squat, well, now I just got crushed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, know, maybe that's the mentality and how people look at it. Because that's something I always – I would put in the squat's favor, right? Because you can kill yourself. You're going to get stapled to the ground. You better attack this weight. You know what I mean? And to me, that's that extra challenge. Like it's almost like the weight is challenging you more. It's a little scarier. And it's that sort of courage test that I always liked. And for me, it's it's
1: the same argument, just different. It's like you have to – be very mentally strong, and you have to want to have a big deadlift. And that's what I've, I've told people. I mean, you're not just going to do it. You have to want it because the minute you turn purple and start shaking and it gets really hard, everything in your body is saying, just stop, and you have to keep going, even though you could give up at any time. Yeah, you could yeah, bail, uh, though.
2: Speaking of, speaking of deadlifts, I um I got a new deadlift PR. I did six thirty two two weeks ago.
1: Nice. Good job.
2: So uh, just belt only, no straps. That's big. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, I was pretty happy with it, and I wasn't. I mean, I, I had a bunch of like bumper plates on in different colors because our gym has both a mix of regular plates and bumpers, so I had to kind of like, ch- double, or triple check the math because I'm always used to working in pounds as, as mm-hmm. opposed to kgs. But yeah, I was pretty happy with it. Uh, I mean, hips hips were a little high at the start, but. Um, And then, uh, so yeah, I like to, you know, and I don't, I don't max pull from the ground very often. I I only do it every like three to four months. And I mean, this is another topic, but I think people do too many, too much max effort work too regularly and too frequently. You know what? Let me offer Um,
0: that's, let me offer something along that line, a max effort deadlift. I will agree. Uh, and I've never been good at the deadlift, but even at my very limited, you know, ability with the deads more devastating. Than oh, yeah. max effort anything else, mm-hmm. just yes. you know, oh, and that yeah. would be an yeah. argument for the deadlift. I would think, yep. you know, just just yep. destructive. Let me. I yep. want to. I'm curious about Neil, though. What, what mm-hmm. do you think is the king of lifts? Are you in the deadlift camp?
3: Uh, I've got to be honest. I, I'm going to side with you, Lonnie. I prefer the squat personally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> well. but um, I don't. I don't know. It's just because, like, when I've I've only been lifted. Like, um, I'll be 34 this year and i've been lifting since i was 28 and the first thing i started with was the squat and that was that was what we did uh every session and it was like three t- three times a week we'd squat every session and yeah. it's just it, we've maintained that all the way through um i've certainly found doing doing the biggest gainer jarell's not had me deadlift very often but you know the the offset of that has been lots of you know obviously snatches cleans pulls from the floor um and that sort of thing but it i found that whenever i do have to deadlift i feel very strong i feel it's easy to be locked in and to pull to get a big pull every so often rather than trying to do it every week or every two weeks is is much it has been a great benefit to me
0: yeah Mm -hmm. definitely
3: but uh yeah prefer the squat
0: Yeah, I think it's – I really think it's body shape. Um, Oh, yeah. People – we're all going to be biased. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because I never had a really big squat. I mean, the best I ever squatted, I did 495 for a triple once. But just, you know, bodybuilder, leather-type belt and some knee wraps. But I would routinely do sets with 405. I mean, almost my whole life, you know. But the point being is I felt – comfortable doing that and when I would try to deadlift maybe I never had a good deadlift instructor because god the nuances just going out to your place Phil this so many nuances to a deadlift you know it sounds simple just pick it up
2: yeah Uh, people pick things up so badly (laughs) yeah I was in California last weekend doing a um, deadlift seminar for the NSCA Southern California clinic and you know, a lot of people really liked it, and uh, and I basically said the same thing. Like, it just looks like a really easy move. Okay, you just stand over the bar and you know, kind of do a, you know, little hip hinge and just kind of pick it up. And it's just there's so many little small things that oh, you yeah. have to do and keep in mind. But it's their make or break would be that's a whole different topic.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. My argument, if, if I was your coach, Lonnie, would you be just because you don't like it and because you're not good at it, we're going to deadlift a lot.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and you yeah, take no, somebody yeah. like it me that's long levered
1: and the squats harder for them. We're not going to deadlift as much. I'm going to make me squat a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah. just because I uh, relatively I suck at it, comparatively. Right. Basically. So it's like I'm going to get the most bang for the buck out of doing. Right. What I suck. Well, it
0: depends. I mean, if so, it, depending what I want out of it, I suppose. Yeah. You know, like exactly. what what if the goal is just hypertrophy? I just I've always been able to frankly work around that a little bit, and I do a lot of yeah. just barbell rows, T-bar rows, yeah. you know, seated pulley rows. These yeah. are not wimpy movements, and they build yeah. big, thick backs. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, no, I hear you. Because I will tell you, uh, when I started doing low rack pulls uh, regularly, I mean, I would do the occasional deadlift, but I would do pretty heavy, for me, low rack pulls. My upper back thickened up in that last round of competing that I did like no other time in my life. You know, I got a lot of that sort of, you know, gorilla, that silverback gorilla kind of feel going on. And I never had that before, you know, at least that sensation of that, you know. But, it's, no, it's, cool, it's guys. That time. So. All right. Well, until next week.
1: <laughs> until next week. Thanks a lot,
0: guys. All right, folks. Bye. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store, one for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and – choose based on your goal if you need something to learn or read or something nutritional you can look in my store uh, Lonnie's store if you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron and if you want something about motivation or daily training Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average, boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training, uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the